Well, good evening, church. It's the middle of the week. Welcome to A Look in the Book. And we're in a series I've entitled, What Comes to Your Mind When You Think About God? So we're looking at the attributes of God, what God is like, and how that relates to our day-to-day lives as followers of Christ. Tonight we're looking at the wisdom of God, the joy of worshiping an infinitely wise God. Get a Bible, and let's study for a few minutes all together, okay? The central conviction of the whole Bible is that God is never anything other than absolutely wise in everything that he does. Probably very tightly stated in Psalm 104, verse 24, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. So the psalmist talks about his works, all of his works, and then he says, in wisdom you have done them all. So works are the deeds, the works of God. Wisdom is the end at which all of those deeds are aimed. They're always moving in the best possible direction, the wisest direction. So, so God not only knows everything, omniscient, not only can he do everything, omnipotent, But all of his knowledge and all of his power is directed toward wise ends. His knowledge is never wasted knowledge. It's always moving in the very best possible direction. J.I. Packer, that classic book of his, Knowing God, he said this, Wisdom is knowledge harnessed to the right end. It's the power to see and the inclination to choose the best, the highest goal, and the surest means of attaining it. So God God is the one, Romans 8, 28. This is why God can work all things together for good. It's his wisdom along with his power. Think about it. Just think about it for a minute. God is never wrong. That doesn't mean we always understand his ways. But he's never wrong. God never lacks any information so that he can always direct all of his works to the wisest end. He can never improve on any decision he has made. He always does the right thing, the wisest thing, 100% of the time. So, I have three points under the wisdom of God, and I'm just going to look at one tonight. One tonight, two next week. So here's here's the one point. I'm calling it point number one. God works all things with eternal ends in mind. So I will always be stubbing my toe on the ways of God if I'm constantly thinking of uh, the immediate, the visible, uh, my comfort, the pleasantness of my circumstances, if I am measuring what God is doing by those things, we're always going to be on different pages. I will make huge strides in understanding the wisdom of God if I remember two things. That first, 
what God is always looking for is the development of my likeness to Christ. That's his number one goal. Not, not my comfort, necessarily. My conformity to Christ, goal one. Goal two, his own glory. Everything he does, he does for his own glory. So that means if my whole life is, is wrapped up in the concept of, of my own self-fulfillment and instant reward, it's going to be hard for me to understand God's ways. Now, what I'd like to do, God's, God's wisdom always directed toward eternal ends. God's wisdom directed in a direction that, that I might not see if I'm just looking for my own happiness and my own comfort. I have three sub-points, and they're built around three texts of Scripture. So this is point 1A. I want to look at three texts for three sub-points. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. Here are verses now that will start to unpack the wisdom of God in ways that I might not see initially until I understand his word. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. Doesn't necessarily mean he removes the affliction, but he comforts us in all our affliction so that, here's God's wisdom, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So, so now, okay, beholding the wisdom of God and eternal ends, he uses difficult situations in my life to prepare me for ministry that I have no inkling about yet. I can't see yet. So he knows the end from the beginning. And here in this text, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Paul says, God... In Paul's suffering, in his difficult circumstances, God was getting Paul ready for encounters he would have with people that needed God's comfort. And he said God was getting him ready for that. Now, he didn't see that right at the moment. God was preparing Paul for ministry situations. Paul said it was so he would be able to comfort others in the same kind of situations, with the comfort that he himself had received from God. He, God was going to increase Paul's empathy with other people's suffering. He was going to increase Paul's understanding of other people's suffering. He was going to increase Paul's compassion for other people in their suffering. That's what God was doing in Paul's difficult circumstances. There's a verse that a lot of people have a hard time figuring out. It's Colossians 1, 24. Paul, again, is the writer, and he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, listen to this, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. It's that, it's that last phrase that I think people wonder about. Filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. Now, certainly we can't uh, fill up or complete Christ's sufferings in any way in terms of uh, 
forgiveness, atonement for the sins of the whole world. That's Christ's unique work in his suffering on the cross. Paul is saying he was going to encounter people in the church. That's what the text says. In Christ's body, the church. Christ died, rose, ascended to the Father. And through Paul's suffering and through Paul's difficult circumstances, he was going to, he was going to make manifest in a fuller way the suffering of Christ. Jesus came and suffered on my behalf. And in Paul's suffering, people would see the love of Jesus in the same way. Jesus, that, who's ascended, gone to heaven, isn't physically here. The people couldn't see Jesus anymore. That's what Paul meant. He would gladly suffer, and it relates to that 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 text. He would, he would gladly suffer so he could comfort people more deeply, show the compassion of Christ more richly. We can care about people on a deeper level when we can understand the suffering they're going through. It completes the suffering of Christ. I said there were three texts. Here's the second point coming from 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and 9. So this is B. Paul writes and says, So to keep me from being too elated by the surpassing greatness of the revelations... A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. The old King James says, puffed up. Three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, buried in those verses, there's that subject of unanswered prayer. Three times, verse 8, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Of course, it didn't leave him. Unanswered prayer. Here's the great apostle who had, who had worked miracles, seen countless conversions, cast out demons, and he's, he's bumbling along like the rest of us here with this thorn in the flesh, praying and praying and praying and receiving not the answer that he wants to receive. If you've prayed about something, you've prayed about it repeatedly, and you've not received that answer that you've been seeking. If, if the Lord isn't showing you anything different, keep, keep, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. Go ahead. But at least, after a certain amount of time, stop and say, what, what am I supposed to be learning here? Is there a purpose here that I'm missing? Do you have something higher for my life? And Lord, my love for you does not depend on getting you to do what I want. Teach Teach me your ways. That's a great phrase in the 24th Psalm. Teach me your way. Every Christian needs to learn deeply that God wants to do more than just constantly be telling me what to do every step of the way. He wants me to learn his ways, to see the wisdom of his ways. I mean, here's an illustration. It's fine when your child is 
three and four, you don't mind after every meal saying, now we have to brush your teeth. Go brush your teeth. It's very important to brush your teeth. And they learn to do that. But you don't want to be doing that when your child is 23. You're hoping by the time he's 23, he's learned the wisdom of oral hygiene. This is the same thing in following Christ. We're to learn his ways, how he does things, what his goals are, how his wisdom differs from mine. Paul says he actually had to learn from the Lord that God was more interested in his humility to keep me from being too elated, too puffed up. That's why this thorn in the flesh had to stay. It was, there was a spiritual good, even if it came with that physical discomfort, Paul had to learn the ways of God. He saw the wisdom in what God was doing. Not initially, but he came to learn his ways. Here's the third text I want to look at. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 10. Paul writes and he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's these physical bodies. Why? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed. Isn't that interesting? The Apostle Paul, perplexed, confused. I I don't know what's going on. That's what perplexed means. Not understanding, not being able to see where we're going here. Paul said, we were perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So again, we're looking at aspects of God's wisdom. You look at the eternal, you look at the long term to make us like Jesus, and to glorify himself, God's two goals and all of his wisdom and all of his works. In this text, Paul says one of the aspects of learning God's wisdom is seeing how he uses human weakness to bring glory to himself rather than to the Apostle Paul in this case. You see, human wisdom works like this. I feel that my inadequacy means God can't possibly use me. I feel that my weakness is precisely what disqualifies me. Paul says, no, 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 no. No. In his desire to glorify himself, to make me like Jesus and to glorify himself, God God uses weak vessels of clay like we are so that people look and say, you know, it sure isn't Don Horbin. If God can use him, God can use anybody. My goodness, how good God is to work with ordinary, weak human vessels such as we. Paul says he was, man, afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Like it or not, Paul says he had to go through all sorts of untold hardship. He feels crushed, overwhelmed. And yet, he's smack dab in the middle of where God wants him to be. Why? Because God glorifies himself in the way he uses weak vessels like we. God has that plan. It's a very wise plan. 
God's plan is to have people marvel at his glory and grace and greatness. We benefit so much just from God being who he is. And tonight we've just started, next week we'll finish, just unpacking some aspects of the wisdom of God. So first, tonight, in his wisdom, God always works toward eternal ends. We looked at three texts, the things that he does. He works towards eternal ends, not my present physical comfort. He works to make me more like Christ, and he works to glorify himself through weak, ordinary vessels such as we. Behold the joy of worshiping an infinitely wise God. Let's pray. We're so grateful we can have this time for a look in the book. It shows us things we would not be able to figure out on our own. Teach us more and more here at Cedarview Community Church, here in this difficult situation through this pandemic and other difficult situations that people are in. Teach us, teach us, Father, to look for the wise hand of God and what you might want to be teaching us and developing in us as we follow Christ. Be glorified in our lives and in our church. We love you with all our hearts. And again, keep us kind and sweet to one another in the body of Christ in all the things we post and tweet. Forgive us our tweets as we forgive those who tweet against us. Let the love of Jesus grow and thrive in your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Make sure you join us Sunday, 10 o'clock, working through 1 John still, and 6.30 Sunday night for a look for uh, soul food. We'd love to have you join us. God bless you, church, and love one another.